Welcome to a brand new episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast. In past episodes, we've shared thoughts of how to help interns or how to help our fellow teammates, uh, but we haven't really talked about like our own career growth. In today's episode, we will be discussing how we think about career growth for ourselves. Let's give introduction of today's panelists. Jem, you want to start it off? Jem Young, Senior Software Engineer at Netflix. Stacey London, Senior Front-End Engineer at Atlassian. Augustus Yoon, I guess, Senior Software Engineer at Evernote. Yeah. Wait, yeah. yeah. yeah I just, so that's your career promotion. So. Yeah, thank you. Thank congrats. you. Congrats. Right on, congrats. And I'm Ryan Burgess. I'm a Software Engineering Manager at Netflix. In each episode of the Front-End Happy Hour podcast, we like to choose a keyword that if it's mentioned at all in the episode, we will all take a drink. What did we decide today's keyword is? Promotion. Promotion. So if we say the word promotion, promoted, anything along those lines, we will all take a drink. All right, well, let's jump in. I'm really interested to know, before we even get started, what does career growth mean to each of you? It means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So some people see it as making more money, like something very basic, like me growing in my career means I'm making more money every year, but that's not necessarily what that means for others. I guess for me, it just feels like career growth means I get to, if I'm satisfied, that means I must have had growth that year or I'm currently in a position that I'm learning new things or I'm able to apply them to cool new projects, stuff like that. Like I feel satisfied. If you're not satisfied, maybe you're not growing or maybe you're stagnant. But what if you were satisfied if you were stagnant? Like you were just like, my goal is to coast and do nothing. Like literally do the minimal amount. I mean, I worked with a guy whose sole goal was like, I'm going to go work at a bank and just be like chill and like not have to, you know, nine to five, that's it. This is true. I actually used to have a coworker who was, he's like, my, my career growth and goal is to be able to walk from my <laughs> cubicle to the printer over and over and over as if I'm doing work and get by. <laughs> So I mean, so if he had, if he did that, I guess that's that's his growth. Good growth. That'd be growth. Like, He'd be like, I've made it. Yeah. So I mean, but that's still satisfaction in that person's eyes. That's, <laughs> that's why true. it could be different. I think also for me, like when I think of growth, is like making an impact or like being able to almost like increase scope and responsibility. I think, yeah, obviously money is important. Like, or I shouldn't say important, but that is often tied. It's like, oh, I'm making more money. Obviously, I'm doing better. But I think for me, the biggest thing is like growing scope and responsibilities really is what I would think of it. Yeah, I guess like another one way I think of career growth, which doesn't directly answer it is I always think of that question that your career counselor says is like, where do you see yourself in five to 10 years? And for a long time, when I first started working, I totally hated that question because it's like, no, 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 I want to talk about the present. I want to talk about now. But Actually, as, as I've, you know, started to grow and, you know, work longer, I've, I've realized the value of that question because you can't really expect like big changes to happen over a period of time or like in a short frame of time. Like some, some things are like an investment, like, hey, what can I do right now to get myself the skills to get to where I want to be, wherever that future goal is? Like maybe if you want to go into management or something, you know, what can I do now, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I think that's good. I always hated that question too. And I even still do. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing like two months from now. But I think if you're like looking, where do I want to be there? It might take you like 10 steps or 10 promotions to get there. Yeah, cheers. Cheers. I, don't, I, I think of a, a, a career, very similar to what you were saying, Stacey, is like a career is, it's kind of your trajectory over life. 
like a job is something you're doing immediately. A job is something you're getting paid to do. But a career is kind of just like who you want to be professionally over the the, the arc of your life. Um, for many people, that's they uh, equate it to money, which like I'm guilty of that too. Like I think we all are to some regards. But like I'm really, really trying hard not to be that way because like ultimately that is a path that will lead you to more unhappiness in the long run because there's always someone that makes more money than you. Like it doesn't matter. You make a hundred dollars. You're like, I made it. What Augustus makes a hundred one dollars. I'm like, that son of a. I'm way <laughs> like, like, and that's the danger. Is like, it doesn't matter. Like, you, there will always be someone more. So, increasingly, I try not to do that. It's more like personal development. Um, at the end of the day, what am I satisfied doing? Like, am I satisfied with the job I'm doing? Am I an expert at the job I'm doing? To me, that's career growth. Am I pretty much? It sums up to like, am I a better engineer or whatever i am that year than i was last year that to me is like career growth i like that is that you can actually equate it to even your own skill set even if there's not a level jump or anything it's like i achieve these things and i'm a better engineer because of it to me on the the salary or the money aspect i think i've never really cared so much about that it's more if you feel undervalued that's my problem is so if you're happy with your hundred dollars and even though Augustus makes 101, as long as you're happy and you're like, I don't feel like undervalued just because Augustus makes a dollar more, then I think it becomes okay. It's when it's like Augustus is paid four times more than you, you're doing all his work. That's when you feel like undervalued. And I think that's when it's a problem. I think another thing that means growth to me is in, in my career has been if I have reached some sort of like technical competency or have opinions about how something should be done, but I'm not necessarily in a position to change that at where I'm at. Like if maybe there's, um, you know, a principal or senior, there's someone who's making a lot of decisions about how things should be done. Um, and if you don't feel you have influence in that, like the growth would be, how can I get somewhere where I can have that influence and like, um, feel like you have more of an impact that to me feels like growth too. I like that influence. Yeah, that, I was going to say that word I, that is great. That is solid. Yeah, I mean, in order for you to have bigger impact, you're influencing others too, right? Like I think of it as like your own work, if you're just coding one piece of feature or whatever, and it's your work, you have that impact. But if you can impact like a broader set of like a whole new architecture framework, whatever you're doing, then that's that's bigger. And I think it is influence that really has that larger impact. I like that. Yeah, think of... Um Think of a doctor, like you start off, you're a resident, you know, you don't know anything and then you move up, you eventually become like a doctor, then you specialize a bit more, you might become a neurosurgeon and become spend years being the best neurosurgeon. Eventually you might become the head of neurosurgery, which means like you're probably not doing much surgery anymore, but you're guiding other people. Then you might become like president of the hospital. I have no idea how doctors <laughs> career growth, I don't know what it looks like, but eventually it's about influence. It's like you are the best at what you do. So now let me help other people be the best at what they do. And in terms of software engineering, that generally goes two tracks. It's either people management or um, just bigger architecture management. That's that's a tricky path. That is a tricky yes. path to navigate. And it's you never know which one is right for you. Well, and I think that like Stacy and Jamie both touched on it is like, what are the paths that you can grow on? What are the steps as a front end engineer? Like, what are they? You know, there's, we've, we've talked about this on previous episodes. Like, what's the difference between a junior and senior engineer? Is there a mid level? Are you a lead? Are you an architect? Are you that principal? Staff gets thrown in there too. I don't actually, I never know where it's like, is it staff then principal or principal then staff? Like, I think it <laughs> depends on the company, but I mean, there's, these are natural steps down that 
technical path where, yeah, maybe you're not a people manager, but you're continuing to influence large groups of people on a technical uh, challenge. And so that can be a large impact. Or yeah, you go down the management, maybe it's director, VP, whatever that path looks like too. I think sometimes at companies that don't have a lot of uh, technical engineering like pathways for to be promoted. Cheers. 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 There's sometimes this idea that the, the the only way to grow is to go into the management path, which is not necessarily the right thing for everybody. So um, it's very important to be a little bit self-aware to say like, well, I want to grow, but that, that isn't where I, I want to go. Right. And I, I often say like, I do not actually believe like management is a promotion. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Oh, did we pick the wrong word again? We're going to have fun. But yeah, I actually don't believe that more because to me, it's just a change. It's a, it's a drastic change in your role. You're doing something that's a lot different. Whereas moving to junior to senior, definitely like Augustus just did. That's a promotion. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers to Augustus. Wow. Oh, golly, geez. Thanks, y'all. I, I like the the track we're taking of um, managing people isn't necessarily, it doesn't necessarily mean career growth in that way. So like weird sort of history blurb. So it started in the 80s with uh, Reagan and the pro business like state America's in now where like, you know, businesses are people, blah, blah, blah. Businesses were like, man, business, 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 we're making piles of money. And like it started in the 80s. We need more people who are qualified to be business people, whatever that means. It's very generic. So that's why you have so many people with MBAs now. And that started like a couple decades ago. And But what that meant was if you want to make more money, you want to make move up the corporate ladder, whatever, like you had to be in management. And that's why there's so many VPs and why there's companies with like thousands and thousands of VPs and of course, they had to create a new title, which is executive VP, which means like you're you're one level you're, above. You're, you're another step. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, I'm not a regular VP. Like it, in some companies, it doesn't mean anything. It's just like you are a salesperson. They just call you VP because like you make you feel better. But so that that was like the product of the 80s and the 90s. And what happened in Silicon Valley, like we lost a lot of smart people to becoming managers when they didn't necessarily want to be. They could have been like the world's greatest coders, but you want to move up your in your career, you want to make more money, you need to be in management. Now, slowly, like we're shifting away from that. There yeah. are lots of companies now that are like, you want to be the principal architect of, I don't know, AWS or something? Cool. You, you can do that. You don't have to manage people. And we're, we're definitely starting to understand there are two different tracks on that. But we definitely like, that is something that a lot of businesses are still catching up on. It's like, Stacy, you know, you're a great engineer. But if you want to move up, you got to start managing people. And you're like, why? I'm a really good coder. I don't want to do that. Like, sorry, that's what we got to do. Uh, and like, yeah, we're coming around from that now. Yeah. And I think also, too, sometimes that person who's just an amazing engineer, it doesn't translate to being a manager that they're like, oh, they're an amazing manager. They're two different things. It's like, yeah, if you're managing engineers, it helps to be a technical manager, but you're just doing different work. And so I agree with you on that, gem too, is like we've we're losing great people for just like, yeah, yeah, just go down this other path. That's like, it might not be the right thing to do. It's it's interesting because I feel everybody who kind of goes, moves up, they end up in this, maybe this tech lead role. I think that's an inevitable perhaps thing that happens. And then it's kind of like a hybrid role where you could be, you could kind of have this decisive moment of, oh, I actually really like the people side. I might want to go into management or I really hate the people side and I just want to stick with coding. So yeah, I've also noticed that a lot of companies have been a lot more receptive about how 
like making it like it's like if you want to move into management it's a lateral move it's not like going up it's actually going horizontal on like the corporate ladder of some sorts yeah i like that word lateral move that's a better way to put it very business speak of you yeah well done so you I, have an mba it's, it's, no it's it's the senior it's a senior level now it's like it's coming I just, out you know i just hear in the hallways synergy soon <laughs> kpis you know just here in the hallways <laughs> so i'm also interested we've talked about like okay we've talked about some of the different levels or the different paths to like or even what a career growth looks like how do you track it how do you measure that you're actually, maybe it's to Gus's point of like, here's my five-year, 10-year plan. Maybe that's easy enough that you have these like stages that you want to hit, but how do you keep track of it? You know, even that five-year plan, you should be checking in on that, right? It's probably not something you're like, well, I'll check back in, you know, year five if I've made it or not. How do you each think about tracking that growth? I've seen a couple, like, I guess kind of corporate ways of it being done where you actually have like a career growth plan. And, and you like meet with your uh, manager every so often to talk about it. And maybe that's like quarterly or something. And you say like in this next quarter, this is like, these are the things that I'm interested in doing. Like I want to get really good at um, performance tuning front end. And there's a bunch of stuff maybe I don't know about that yet. But by the end of this quarter, I'm going to dig into it and learn about it. Here's a book I want to read. Um, put that on there. Here's like a tutorial I want to do. And just kind of maybe list out a few things and try and make sure by the end of the quarter you you get some of that done it's more like like what things do you want to learn what are you excited about and then check in every once in a while and it's almost like how do you achieve that goal of like being really good at performance here's the things that i've listed that i want to do and then the manager and yourself hold yourself or you both kind of hold you accountable yeah i don't and sometimes i don't want it i do feel like it i don't want it to feel like pressure from like a manager like did you achieve this thing because really it's more about you yeah and then being like hey, I noticed you didn't get that tutorial done. Is there something I could have helped you with in this quarter? Like, did we book everything so tight that you had no chance for self-learning and growth at all? I like that too, because it's they're almost helping you achieve that, not saying you have to do this because yeah. you said you're going your to. Yeah, plan, not theirs. But yeah. yeah, you're kind of like helping them out. Yeah, actually, I like kind of how you touch on you don't really you don't really like having your manager kind of like pressure you and i, I kind of want to bring up the point that you know when we think about career growth we think about what can we do within our own workplace and that's not necessarily what you have to do you can do a lot you can grow a lot in your career like outside of the workplace like contributing to open source is a Absolutely. great way yeah. like there have been a lot of technologies i've wanted to like get more familiar with and i've just been kind of doing it on the side like graphql and stuff i just want to learn more about it and you know, I might not have those opportunities at Evernote, but, you know, we're exploring it, but you know, I'm not on that team, <laughs> but, but, you know, that doesn't stop me from learning it. I can do it on my own. And so that's something to be, that should be like, you shouldn't forget that. That's such a good point too. Cause you're right. Even if your company's not using GraphQL or never exploring it, or even if you're not even on the team that's using it, but you're so interested in that. I mean, especially if the company's doing it, you could just ramp up in that and like contribute. And then maybe you do like love it so much that you go and work on that team too. I like that. Even now, especially with the rise of internet and free education and, yeah. you know, you could become, go from zero to expert software engineer for free online. Like you don't need college anymore. You can't really put on a company if your career is not growing. I think it's easy to do and I've seen it. People are like, they don't give them the opportunities to do that. I'm like, well, there's this thing called the internet and you can make <laughs> any project you want in any language you want and you can build it as complex yeah. as you want and 
you're like, oh, well, I tried that. You know, I wasn't getting any stars on GitHub. I'm like, well, what are you doing it for? Are you doing it for yourself? Or are you doing it for like fame and glory? Because like one is not going to lead you anywhere. One is going to lead to self-satisfaction. But hey, maybe that's someone's growth. Like maybe that is their goal is like, I just want to be like internet famous. I want all those stars <laughs> on GitHub. And and so maybe that is a thing. I'm, I'm like that. To me, that's not a good motivator. It's, it is just a vanity metric. And like I, I will espouse all these Gems. Gems, oh, gems nice. of wisdom. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Uh, but I'm as guilty as anybody else. I have an ego the same as everybody else. I, I'm as guilty of all these things. But if you measure any sort of growth or your success in life by any metric that's relative to the rest of the world, then you're going to lose every time because there's always somebody. I don't care if you hit, I'm worth $100 billion. Stacy's worth $101 billion. I'm like, her yacht is one foot larger than mine, which is a real thing. These are real things that like billionaires. I, d- I definitely have a yacht. I know you never invite me. On. <laughs> wow, how Man. come I've never been invited, Stacy? Yeah, like, just, how big is it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it becomes down to the feet, and you know, which is a real thing. Like, yeah. billionaires spend like a billion dollars on a yacht to be like the world's largest yacht, and they find out someone had they built it ten foot longer. They're like, I'm not making this stuff up because, like, when you get to that level, you're like, what else is there? And that's not happiness. Philanthropy, helping society. Yeah. Yeah, I saved I mean, 10 million be... people from from bird flu. You're like, well, I saved 11 million people from hepatitis. You're like, oh, man, oh, you're way better philanthropy. But no, Stacy's just with her yacht. Like, she can just, she's like, you guys all wasted that on helping people. I got my yacht. <laughs> I respect that, though, dude. But, like, but that's not happiness. Like, at the end of the day, that's not satisfaction. It, it might get it for you temporarily, but... At the end of the day, like you need to measure measure any sort of success by your own metrics. Um, yeah, if, but if you measure by money or title or things like that, then you're you're not going to win that fight in the long run. Um, so yeah, any, anyway, the way of measuring career growth is like it's totally personal. Like that's the way you should do it. So measuring by influence or GitHub stars or how many Twitter followers you have. So hilariously talking about like GitHub stars and followers and maybe you want to be someone who's super famous in the community i I had this kind of like humbling moment where i saw someone i kind of looked up to who contributed a lot in open open source he's like a core contributor in Babel, and i was kind of like i wonder how he like got to this path of like getting to where he is now so i went through his github history and i think it's a humbling experience i think everybody should do it because i stepped back far enough and you know he started off the same as all of us you know he's had like know personal website and he had he had like his own first like little module that you know it didn't do much but it was cool you know it had like some basic tests and stuff and it's, it's like a really humbling experience you know everybody starts the same way everybody starts as a beginner and they just push whatever they want and you know you could see it like nothing was like crazy impressive but it was stuff that he really wanted to work on you know and he eventually, you know, later he started, you know, he got into a company and it's really cool. You can see like their career growth right there in like the contribution chart. That is really cool. And I think of, I think you put that really well in the sense that I also don't think that that person in particular, I don't even know who you're talking about necessarily, but that person probably didn't set out to be like, I am going to be this like massive person on GitHub. Right. It was like doing all these things and then finding their passion and just like, keep running with it and like creating something and just like really getting involved with it and i'm sorry but like passion if you're doing something you're passionate about good things will happen if you want github stars it'll probably just happen but like it's it's not the probably the goal or metric to be looking at that's like a secret i didn't come into until my 30s you remember like the, the smart person in high school 
like mm. the valedictorian, slidictorian, whatever. And you're always like, was that you, Stacy? It, it was probably that was class, but yeah. it was probably Stacy. But <laughs> but like you, you look at these people and I'm like, man, they're so smart. Like that's, they're so lucky. They're just that smart. And like all through life, you you can always think that think like, oh, these people are really lucky. Uh, Stacy's lucky. She works at Atlassian, like a world class tech company. She's so lucky. But like what you don't see is all this hard work and all this passion, yeah. all this dedication. Because like people aren't going to show you that. They're not going to be like, look how what a hard worker I am. Like, well, they're humble too. The best right. people are humble and yes. they like tap in that passion. They exploit the hell out of it. And those are the successful people. Their goal was never to be like world famous or have a, a 10,000 Twitter followers or whatever your metrics are. It's like, just be good at what I do and good things will happen. Hopefully you do need a bit of luck here and there. I'm not going to deny like, yeah, I'm very lucky, but a lot of that is just like, it's hard work that nobody sees and nobody will ever see. And that's just how you do it. Yeah. No, I completely agree. Um, you had also had brought up, like, I think Stacy had even mentioned, like talking with your manager and maybe because I'm a manager, it's a good question. Is it important for a manager? Is it on them to help you with your career growth? Is that a responsibility of a manager? Yeah, I do think it is. at the company for sure. Like, sure. Yeah. Like if you actually report to that person and yep. everything. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think they're, they should hopefully be there to help you understand, like, what the current role you have and what responsibilities you have. And like, maybe if you want to go to that next role, like what does that mean and how do you get there to like help you understand what that is. And, and maybe um, if they know that that's where you want to go, they can help you find a project and maybe see like, Oh, do you want to be a lead on that project? That'll totally set you up for, for that next thing or whatever, like help you find opportunities or, um, that kind of stuff I think is really helpful for, for a manager, for me, for my career growth. Yeah. I think it's, I think what you said is super important is that I still think it's on the individual too, to really like call that out. Like don't look for your manager to say what your career growth is. I guess is kind of my thought on that too, is it's, you know, I think of it as my job is to help like look for those opportunities and present them saying like, oh, you, that's what you want to do. Like, let's look for those opportunities. But if, if you're not telling your manager that, hey, these are the types of things I'm thinking about, then how are they supposed to know? I mean, they might think, of the, hey, you're naturally going down this path and like look for those opportunities. But I think it's also good to be explicit and call that out too. Yeah, I was, I want to like echo everything you said, like ultimate, it, great managers will help you in your career growth but ultimately it's like on you to drive that career growth and really voice it to your manager because you know he's not going to drive your career growth for you right like it's not that's not going to sustain you very long like if you leave the company right it's not like it's really on you to kind of drive yourself on the flip side there there can be um i guess for like the d diversity and inclusion angle to there may be some people that won't demand to be promoted because they feel like inadequate to say so or they don't want to appear a certain way like there are sometimes being a good manager is recognizing that maybe there's someone on your team that's not from the the main the main group or that you know the they're kind of on the outside if they're doing awesome to be like hey i think you're doing really good here's a good opportunity and this will help you grow because maybe that person won't ask for it it's a it's recognizing that not everybody um it, not everybody is uh, assessed the same way when you demand something. Oh, absolutely. And I, I guess I'm not saying to go demand it. I think it's more like having those conversations I think is important. And I know that uh, like some people, they're definitely are just going to be quieter and shy away from saying something. 
And yes, like a good manager should try and ask those questions and help facilitate that conversation. But I think a lot is on the individual too, is like, that's your growth. And like, you should help drive that conversation. So maybe you've talked to your manager, you've identified some areas that you want to grow. How often are you actually thinking about your career path? I always struggle with this one too, like even for my own growth is like, how often am I actually thinking about it? Do you individually think about this? I think about it fairly often. The danger for me is if you set some point, say, I've always wanted to work at Netflix for like years, ever since I knew like the caliber engineers, I'm like, I want to get there. And then I got to Netflix. So now I'm like, ah, what? Yeah, what's next? What do I do now? Because like I set this like goal and then I hit it, but I didn't think beyond that. And it's easy to fall into this trap where like I'm well paid. I do what I love. I work with like at a great company. So like, what do I do now? Cause it's so easy to just like, I'm going to kick in my hammock. I could do this job. Cause like, I've got it down. Like to keep challenging yourself. That's, that's really, really difficult for me. And like, it's so hard to step outside my comfort zone because it's like, it's always easier not to do something. It's always easier to go home and watch Netflix rather than like do some coding or not to like give a talk or something and just like chill. Um, so I think about it all the time and I try not to like get myself down if I'm not moving as fast as I'd like because that's easy to do too. You can like get yourself into depression. Even though life is good, you're like, life is so good, but I don't know what's next. And that's something like I'm really trying to work on now is like being mindful, just like enjoying the moment. Think for the future, but like just enjoy it now. So yeah, I think about it pretty regularly, but not so much that I get down on myself. I love that too because you're right. You're setting goals that are unattainable. And then you just kind of get down on yourself. Yeah, I would love to own, you know, Amazon. That'd be great. You know, like, (laughs) I'd love to have money like Jeff Bezos and have yachts and stuff. But like, is that achievable? Probably not. And so like, if you're you've set out for that, you're ultimately just like setting yourself up for failure. I'm fortunate because my manager is required to ask me, so what are your goals this quarter? <laughs> so I revisit them every quarter. But is that maybe, is that helpful? Like I think it is, it is. Cause like, I think oh, that is like good is like sometimes companies do have these set process in place to make sure that they are checking in and maybe they're held accountable to their managers and et cetera. So yeah, is that a helpful? I, I actually do find it helpful. It, it also helps that my manager, you know, he's not going to enforce me. He He's not going to be like, oh, how are you meeting your goals this week or something? You know, it's really on me. And he just checks in at the end of the quarter like, okay, so these were the goals that you talked about at the beginning of the quarter. How'd you do? <laughs> and it's like, then it's on me to really like tell him, oh, you know, I felt didn't get to do this much blah 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 and stuff so so yeah so i i think it's good to like check in i I, if you need to check in every quarter i think it's a pretty good cadence personally i i also think it's easy to lose sight of like i totally agree you shouldn't set goals that are totally unattainable like setting proper goals is really important but also don't forget it's easy to forget all the things you've done in the year it's like i don't actively do this but uh, it's nice to like have like a little list of like, oh, these are the things that I did this year. And you can kind of just look back like, oh, wow, I did, I did a lot. Huh. Celebrate the wins. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's good advice. For me right now, the thing I think about a lot is when, you, when you've been in the industry for a while, you wonder is I love the technical track and I love it a lot. And I've made a lot of my career decisions to stay in it. But then there's like for sure an ageism thing in this area where it's it's almost like expected that maybe you go to a manager track at some point in your career because like the 
I don't I feel a lot of ageism in this area and I think there's probably a lot of people that feel this like pressure to not be technical and go into the manager track because of being at a certain point in your career um so I think about that a lot and I think you know like should I do that you know like I do like working with people and helping them but I also still love being technical so I struggle with that a lot my career growth is I'm very at that precipice of like and I've done management for a split second and I liked it but it's trying to balance that. Yeah, it's a tough one. I don't have an answer for you either. Like even speaking from experience, it's hard to is, I mean, some managers say they code. I don't think it's that it's hard to code and like ship features when you're pulled in so many different directions and that's not your core of your job. So you're losing that. And that, that I struggled with like really early on. I don't struggle with it as much, but also on the technical side of things, I don't think I could go manage like a design team. I, I'm like, that might not be technical enough for me. Uh, so I love being close enough to the code and still care about it and still spend my own time coding and, or like looking into like what's new and great and like seeing how like we could maybe leverage that on our team. But yeah, it's not, it's not the same. You're not shipping like features to production anymore. And, and you miss some of those chasing down that crazy bug that you're like, Oh, why is this not working? Um, so it is a hard, hard decision to do. Like what's, what's tricky is real career growth. It never looks like it. Like at the time, like you will never know. Uh, for instance, I was like, yeah. I've always wanted to work at Netflix, but I never thought like, here's this path, how I'm going to get it there. It's just like, here's like my end goal. You didn't plan for that? Didn't plan for <laughs> it. You know I didn't plan for it. Uh, <laughs> Set up the trap. and Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I was like, you know, um, I like talking to people. I like sharing. I like teaching. Uh, so let me do that because like, I'm okay at that. So I do that, I do that. And then, you know, that path set me on this trajectory to end up at Netflix because, you know, we met at a conference, blah, blah, blah. We've probably told that story a million times already. But at the time, that was not my end goal. It was just like, I'm going to be do really good at this and give like a really, really good talk and just like really, really helpful in the community. And then like that ended up this other series of events. And so I think at the time, like you never know that weird library you're working on that you're like, this isn't going to do anything, but like, I'm really passionate about it. That might take off. Like, I'm not saying these are all lottery tickets or anything, but it's just, I think if you like live more in the moment, do things that you're passionate about, you'll look back in three years and be like, oh, huh, I ended up here because of this, 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 and this. But like, there's no way you could have planned that. Well, even talking back to the Babel example is like, I'm sure there's like other like things that this person was passionate about creating and they did. And then they were like, oh, well, there's this like cool thing to transpile JavaScript and like allow us to leverage new features in the browser. All right, cool. I'm going to work on this. And then others like get attracted and this person's passionate about it. And then like it, it all kind of like spins off of that. So I think that's well put is that you don't always necessarily do something in order to get like this end game. It's just like in the moment you were really passionate about it, go for it. It goes back to that. Like you're, it, you feel satisfied. You, you're happy in that moment. You're doing things that you enjoy. You're learning, whatever, like that moment that matters and that will lead you to better things and unintended growth. Right. The counterpoint to that is you can't pass up opportunities when they hit you. You can't it like, there's a date, like you don't want to be too comfortable too. like, you should be comfortable and happy, but not too much. So where someone's like, Hey, I've got this crazy idea. You, you want to try this with me? And you're like, ah, no, you know, I got my thing going on. I don't really want to try anything like outside my domain. I think that's an easy opportunity to miss and like life will pass you by really quickly. So if you see an opportunity, 
jump on it. But again, also live in the moment. And like, I know it's like counter advice because it's really, really <laughs> hard. It's like, think about the future, but also live in the moment. But like, that's life. That is the balance of life that we all do. And if it were easy, then everybody would be happy and smiling around and all these things. But like, we're not. So we do the best we can. So I think we've definitely sprinkled some advice here. But uh, like, before we go into picks, what's like one piece of advice that you would, someone comes to you like, what do I do for my career growth? What is the one piece of advice that you would share with our listeners? Uh, for me, uh, I think it's been, if you really like, uh, let's say front-end development as an example, you really like that. And that's something that you just super enjoy doing. And every if you're at a place that is continually like trying to make you do other things outside of that, um, my, my, the best thing that I've ever done is just said, you know, I don't think if I stay here, I'm not going to be able to do the thing that I love and, and move and move on and find a place that will value that, that you like doing that thing and they want you to do that thing. So, um, I think that that's the biggest piece for me. And that's by doing that, that has ended up, uh, salary increases because you've moved to a different company, more opportunities to do the thing that you actually care about. Um, so I guess kind of like own your career. Don't just get complacent and say, well, I guess I'll just do everything they asked me to do. Like it's your choice and your happiness is a little bit, you know, you, you own that. And I mean, it is not easy to move jobs. No, like, it's hard. It is not. So very hard. I think knowing that you're like, all right, this isn't for me and being able to make that call, that is definitely a good one. So I'm going to do things the lazy way. Cause like that's the preferred way of getting your life. That's an engineering way. Oh yeah. As lazy as possible. And the laziest way to manage your career growth is pick friends and be friends with people who are ambitious and smart and humble and like that are also like trying to be better engineers or be the better at whatever they can. And if all your friends around you are rising up, they will not pull you up with you like a, like not going to hire you <laughs> or anything like that, but like they will inspire you. But if you pick people who are like, yeah, you know, I, I could interview at Google. I'd probably nail that. But, you know, I'm, I'm just too busy. You know, I'm, I, I, I can't do that. But I probably could. Like, don't pick friends like that. Like, you can't choose your family. You're stuck with them. But you can choose your friends. And your friends, like, really influence your career trajectory. Um, I wouldn't be where I am if I didn't work with, like, some really smart people who taught me a bunch of things. So that that's really important. And I think it, it seeds into the passion too, is like if you work with, even if you're not passionate about something that someone else is, it just like wears off on you as like, you're like, damn, I love that that person just went and created Babel and like, <laughs> whoa, that's impressive. I'm not really super stoked on that necessarily to work on it. But if that person can do it, maybe I should go create something. And I think that helps really feed and drive some passion. And it takes no effort. Like, to be friends with someone and see like, oh, Stacy's really into engine X tuning. I'm like, that's that's interesting. But she's been talking and talking and, and talking. And yachts. And oh, yachts. yeah, super yacht. <laughs> Sorry, mega yachts or whatever the next. Mega yachts. But like you're friends with people like that. You hang around them long enough and you see like they're driven, they're passionate. Like Ryan said, like that does rub off on you and that you're like, oh, I should be ambitious because like this is how you be in life if you want to be successful. And like you work hard to be ambitious, to be humble. I want to echo like a lot of the things like surrounding yourself with a lot of actually like you know, I feel I've grown a lot in my career because of this podcast. So, oh, thanks, Augustus. Promotion. <laughs> Promotion. Cheers. Cheers. But yeah, so I, I'm pretty happy. I, I think another thing is, you know, it's also there's this kind of stigma that you have to figure out where you want to be like immediately. Like I remember when I was in high school, it's like people were already asking, oh, what major are you going to major in? It's like, 
I don't know. There's this like stigma to know where you're going to be. And I think it's totally okay to not know. If you don't know where you want to go, just do what you love and you'll find your way there. Um, I think it's totally okay to like just start with something small and being honest with yourself. Like, well, you know, I don't know what I want to do, but I really like this. And just kind of going off of going from there, you know, you'll be surprised where that ends up. And I think like setting really like like really achievable goals at a first like I I, I definitely really um, you know resonate with the idea of like you know where do I think where do I see myself in like ten years and you don't have to necessarily be like oh I see myself as like a senior software engineer just see yourself as like oh where do I want to be do I want to be like working in tech still or do I want to have like a family or something and then just really think about oh, okay what do I need to get to that. And then you can start like distilling it down like, okay, well, to get to there, what do I need in five years? And then what do I need in a year? So just break it down. All right. This is really hard to follow all this great advice, but I'm actually going to go a little bit different than Stacy. I'm also going to, con- I even though I agree with Stacy's advice of like, when you're passionate about something like front end, go for it and just stick to that. I agree with that. But there are instances where you might not really sure, like you're like, I love engineering, but I don't quite know what my niche is or what I'm like super excited about is like, I think being okay or being open to going out of your comfort zone is super helpful too. Like I love front end, but I've definitely done some back end. I've done some mobile and and different things. And it's like over the years and it's, it's kind of almost helped me be better in front end sometimes too. Cause you see different ways of doing something and it, it can really help you. But it also gave me the opportunity to say like, is this for me? Nope. Love front end and go back to it, which is kind of cool too. So I think it, it kind of plays off yours a little bit, Stacey. Not saying that your advice is bad. <laughs> no, I think, and, and what I, I could uh, amend what I said too is I think the reason that I maybe knew that I really liked it was the fact that I was asked and did a bunch and, of other stuff. And I kind of knew that. Yeah. So that's why I was like, I was like, I know Stacy <laughs> did like, all this stuff. I don't stuff. really like writing Java batch jobs. But uh, you tried it and, and you knew that. And I think that that helps you. <laughs> and this, yeah, like anytime that you can get the opportunity to try something to really understand, is this for me? It might truly be, even though you thought this other piece was so great. Yeah. When I think back to my career and why I've like lasted as long as I have and not, you know, just given up on tech because it can really burn you out. It's been, uh, it's been people along the way. So I've like had an amazing mentor when I first started or someone that I trusted that helped me or someone that helped, um, lift me up and give me good advice. Like along the way, there's always been someone like that at all the various places that I've been. And so my career advice to, to anybody, especially that if you've been in it a while is to pay it forward or pay it, pay it back. Um, to to look out for that person that is just starting in their career and maybe try and be that like mentor or beacon for them and and i think that will make a lot of difference to other people's growth in their careers all right at the end of each episode we like to share pics of things that we have found interesting that we'd like to share with our listeners uh let's go around the table and share pics for this today's episode augustus what do you got sure so my first pick is Silicon Valley Smash. Ooh, Ooh. Nice. What is Silicon Valley Smash? Yes. So uh, Netflix and Twitch have partnered up to ha- host um, a Smash meetup. Um, they're going to be playing Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. It's on the Nintendo Switch. And I think they're having like a little mini tournament. And I believe I heard somebody is casting it. Uh, I believe Twitch is casting it. That's true. They are live streaming. But I think one of the people here might be a announcer. 
I, I probably believe, on my yacht. I don't know. Where oh, okay. <laughs> ah, can you? But you could probably live stream from there. But yes, Jem uh, will be one of the. What are you, announcer or uh, commentator? Commentator. Yes. That's a good way to put it. Me and Michael Paulson, who was on an episode about three, three episodes ago. Four. Yeah, three, ago. four episodes ago. Yeah. yeah, and actually, Michael Paulson's the one who organized this all. Worked with Twitch on this, and yeah, I'm excited for it. So yeah. if you live in Silicon Valley, uh, hit us up for an invite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the merrier. There will be a link, but it's in April. Yeah, hope to see you all there, though. Yeah, I'm hopeful. Hopefully, I get in to compete. Yeah, I, I did sign up. And then uh, I have two more picks, kind of related. Uh, one is Chrome 73 update. Um, lots of really awesome stuff. Um, one of the really cool things is you can now install PWAs um, from like Chrome on Mac. Um, and which is really cool. So I went to mobile.twitter.com and I installed the PWA. So now like I just go to my desktop, click the Twitter icon and it opens up mobile, mobile Twitter. It's just so cool. So that was nice to see Apple doing that. That's yeah. great. So it's so great. And kind of related to that is 3JS slash editor. So 3JS is this um, JavaScript library that makes it very easy to do WebGL, Canvas graphics. And they have this editor which is super sick. It's like a WYSIWYG. Basically, it's like Cinema 4D on the browser, and they made it into a PWA recently. So I was able to like go into Chrome, put it on my desktop, and now I have a 3JS editor, so I can create like 3D graphics and then like in like WebGL, and it'll just spit it out. It's like it's crazy. It's awesome. Check it out. That is so cool. All right, Stacy, what do you have for us? All right, I've got two picks. The first one is something seemingly very silly and simple, but quite amazing when you find out that it exists. Uh, the ability to do screenshots really easily within within Chrome. Uh, so if you do Command Shift uh, P, just like you would in a lot of your editors to like bring up a command palette, just type screenshot. And there's like three options. You can do like a full viewport. It'll actually like scroll and take a screenshot of the entire web page, just your viewport, or even like a node. If you're like maybe doing a pull request and you want a picture of like just the small piece of the page that you've changed, you can like get a screenshot of that. It's super nice, super easy. Wow. So I have an extension in Chrome that does the whole <laughs> scroll through. I did not know that there was a option already. In yeah. There. I was just going to say when I started Evernote, I remember you told me to use this to submit yeah. QA. Yeah. To QA. Like, hey, you know, submit this screenshot to QA to verify. There you go. It's so crazy. That's awesome. Uh, I think it does max out at like so many so many lines but it's a very very long web page so mostly you'll be your fine. web page shouldn't be that long and yes <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was the first one which is cool uh, also by doing that command shift p typing in whatever you're thinking about it's just brings up amazing amounts of stuff that's built into dev tools that maybe you don't even know about wow i need to play around with this like type in performance whoa all sorts of cool stuff in there um, and then the second pick is uh, Daniel Avery's uh, album Song for Alpha. It's not a new album. It was in 2018, but it's just a really good like techno album to, to code to. I really, really enjoy it. Awesome. Jim, what do you have? I'm going to add that to my programming, music <laughs> programming list. Uh, I have three picks today. Uh, my first pick is the Casper Glowlight. Very unusual for me. I know it's uh, very antithetical for my traditional picks, because I guess you can lump this under smart home, but it's not connected to Wi-Fi, so I don't consider it smart home. It's just a nice to have. But what it is, it's a glow light from Casper, who is largely known as the mattress company. But it's a light that uh, it sits on a stand. You can take it with you. If you flip it over, it goes to full brightness. You can twist it to adjust the dimness. Um, if you just want a nightlight, you pick it up and you give it a little shake and it gives off a nice glow. 
and it's really nice for at night if you're like, oh, I want a snack, but I don't want to like step on the cat or something like that. You just like pick it up off the stand, you take it with you, you set it down, you bring it back. It, it like it seems so simple, but it's like really really cool. And my my wife is like really happy with it, so I ordered another one because you can all sync them together. Um, ah, that's even cooler. It is a little uh, Silicon Valley, and <laughs> they're expensive. It's ninety nine dollars for a light, and you're like, it's a light, like whatever but if you have the money it's pretty cool it's it's very useful especially for like if you have kids or pets or something like that uh my second pick is the oakley prism glasses it's a lens technology that enhances color and like i really it's it's hard to describe it but i have a pair and it makes like green more green so i'm driving home today down uh, the highway and just like the world is beautiful with these glasses because like the green just like pops and like when the sun hits it it's like this bright neon green you're like wow this is Whoa. so so cool the water is bluer it's I, I can attest to this he actually let me wear them uh we were on a boat in mexico and i was like whoa it made a huge difference everything looks so like vibrant we, funny enough we ran into some uh we were gonna go snorkeling i know we sound like a bunch of riches now we're in boat in mexico <laughs> we're gonna go snorkeling you weren't on my yacht but i know you didn't invite <laughs> us on the yacht <laughs> i will remember that christmas time uh, but they're like, oh, we can't go snorkeling. There's red tide. And I put on the glasses. I can like clearly see the red in the blue versus when I took them off. I'm like, I can't see anything. It's kind of hazy, like a dull red, but it just makes color pop. Yeah. The idea is like if you're cycling or doing some sort of action sports, you want to see like crisp details. It, it's pretty impressive technology. I'll give it to them. And my last pick is it's a Netflix original uh, called Love, Death and Robots. It's an anthology series. There's about 18 of them. They're completely unrelated. The story is they're mixed they there's no theme really other than love death and robots but what i love is the animation styles are like all wildly different and it's just impressive uh if you're a fan of animation or even if you're not at all it's just like the different styles are so so cool and just like technically amazing like they capture human movement and facial or their facial features like so well it's worth seeing yeah that's my picks right on I actually have three picks as well. One is going to be iOS Apple Photos with iCloud. I'm like blown away how seamless this is, is the fact that I have a lot of photos and they take up a lot of space. And it's always, where do I save these photos? If I save them on my MacBook and on my phone, and then I'm like eating up all this hard drive space. iCloud and Photos like does this really like seamless thing where it's like, We'll save them to the cloud and then almost put like a low grade version of it on your devices until you actually want to see it. Like if I click into a, fo- a photo, it will download that and eventually get rid of it. So it's like it's optimizing to not take up a lot of space. I was like blown away. I was like, this is actually really nice. I feel like it's been there for a while, but I've started using photos again. Like it's been years. Like I used it back when it was like iPhoto. And so I started using it again and I'm like, all right, this is pretty impressive. So I've been using that on my MacBook and on my iPhone. It's it's kind of a nice, it's nice. And then I have two Netflix uh, shows. For anyone that's a parent, Working Moms is hilarious. It's a show on Netflix, and it's actually a Canadian show too, which is really cool. It's filmed in Toronto, so it gives me a little bit of love for like seeing Toronto. It makes me miss Toronto. Not the cold, but the show is just hilarious. Um, Yeah, I highly recommend checking that one out. And then the OA Season 2 just came out, and it is better than the first season. I think, yeah, like... I feel like it has more depth and 
even better, it's filmed in San Francisco. So that's really cool too. It's like, oh my gosh, so I've got my Toronto city oh. pick and then San Francisco one. And it's like, I honestly think, I have not done this season yet, but I'm quite a few episodes in and it's it's just the story is going in so many different directions and it's getting so much more interesting. So I highly recommend checking that one out. All right. Well, thank you all for listening to today's episode. Make sure to subscribe to Front End Happy Hour on whatever podcast catcher you like to listen to things on. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at FrontEndHH. Any last words? You can't come on my yacht. <laughs> <laughs>